Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, it's very nice to be with you. Your topic today kind of gives truth a little bit, I think, to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the podcast title, Money's Emotional, especially when it comes to business owners and entrepreneurs. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Today, we're talking about retirement options for entrepreneurs. But before we get into our topic, our faithful listeners might have noticed that my usual co-host, Eric, is not with us today. Uh, we've we've got Bill with us today, but Eric is actually going through a pretty serious family situation. So if you are a person who prays, I just ask that you would take a moment today and send Eric and his family your love and prayers. I know that he would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. But I would love to give you, Bill, a big thank you for stepping in to co-host on short notice. Oh, no, it's not a problem, and it's my honor. And yes, I, I second that. If you are a person who believes in the power of prayer, please hold Eric and his family up in those prayers today. Yes. But we actually have a special guest today. So I am honored to welcome my longtime friend and special guest, Darren Wirtz. Darren is the best-selling author of The Lawyer Millionaire, The Complete Guide for Attorneys on Maximizing Wealth, Minimizing Taxes, and Retiring with Confidence. He's a certified financial planner and the host of The Lawyer Millionaire podcast. Welcome, Darren. Hey, Christine. Thanks for having me. I, thank you so much for that uh, best-selling. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, before we really dive into our topic about how business owners and entrepreneurs can prioritize their retirement and really maximize their investments for retirement, I'd love for you to briefly tell us about your journey with financial planning and why you settled on serving business owners and attorneys in particular. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't always start this way. I actually uh, started my career in education as a high school and middle school science teacher. <laughs> yes, um, we were talking about that yes. uh, before you got in about spiders and snakes. Oh my. <laughs> absolutely. But you know, I, I did that for five years and I came to the difficult realization that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. I needed to do something different. So I joined the family business and I became a financial planner. Um, and in doing that, I had no idea how to market or how to build a business or anything like that. And so I can relate to a lot of business owners, especially attorneys who decided to go out on their own and launch their business and thought, oh, this will be a piece of cake. And then they were in for a rude awakening. Yes. <laughs> it's so interesting, <laughs> right? I talk with attorneys all the time who they're law firm owners and they're like, 
I never envisioned this. I never planned on being a law firm owner. This is just what happened to me. And so um, there, there's a gap of business knowledge as I experienced as well. And I went through that in, in building my business and learning a lot of those things. Um, as my business grew, I started out just kind of focusing on anybody who had uh, the need for financial planning, especially maybe those who are closer to retirement and need some more focused help. But as my business grew, I started to focus more on attorneys and law firm owners specifically. There was no real strategic plan for that. Um, it just kind of evolved that way. I knew as a good marketing practice that I needed to have a well-established niche that I could really focus on and serve well. And the way I came to the conclusion to focus on attorneys was, A, I really um, have a lot of admiration and respect for attorneys. I, <laughs> I've i been a, a big fan of uh, novels and, and TV shows that are about attorneys um, you know, fighting for people and, and serving justice and serving the cause of justice. And the other thing was a lot of my existing clients were already attorneys and law firm owners. So that was a good fit. And you know, it's interesting because as my business has grown and as I've been working with law firm owners and attorneys, I have discovered so much and I continue to learn so much about their unique world and some of the challenges and opportunities that they have. Um, when I was, you know, looking for resources to become a better advisor to my clients, I really didn't find a lot of things out there. Hmm. And so, uh, one of my early, um, things that I worked on was writing a book. And I, I kind of had the idea actually from you, Christine, because <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a great book, Money is Emotional, a long time ago. And, and I knew that would be a great way to kind of establish my credibility. So, uh, it was actually during the pandemic that I decided to take that project on. And I wrote The Lawyer Millionaire, which is uh, kind of meant to be the DIY guide for financial planning for attorneys and law firm owners. And then, you know, as a natural corollary to that, I decided to also launch a podcast. And initially, the podcast was just, you know, something that I could use to help promote the book. But the podcast honestly has evolved into this whole other beast. And it's it's really so much fun. Uh, you know, I come on and I talk about financial planning topics, but one of my favorite things to do is to bring on successful law firm owners to share their stories and to yeah. tell yeah, their journey and, and share the things that they've learned along that way. That's some of the most fun that I'm having. So those are some things we do. Um, we focus, like I said, on financial planning for law firm owners. And I find that it's very similar to business owners in general, a lot of mm -hmm. things that they're struggling with. Cash flow would be probably one of those biggest things. Um, they don't have a regular paycheck usually. So cash flow is all over the place. And that's where they really need a lot of help and planning and trying to master that and use that to accomplish their goals in life. Right. Yeah. Well, and I kind of feel like you and I have been on almost like parallel paths. You know, it's like <laughs> I wrote a book, then you wrote a book and we talked about it. You launched your podcast, like, I don't know, maybe two or three months before I launched my podcast. So we've talked about those kinds yeah. of things. But, you know, both of us have a passion for helping people with their finances and making sure that it's not a constant source of stress for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like to say that money's job is to support your happiness. And if you don't feel like it's doing its job, then you need to get someone in there to help you, whether it's on the investing side, whether it's on the 
the daily money management stuff or mindset, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love the fact that, you know, you have gone through my training on mm-hmm. emotional intelligence relative to personal finance. So you are one of the small handful of financial planners that I will personally refer clients out to. So um, why do you think it can be hard for people who are self-employed to prioritize saving for retirement? And what might be some potential solutions? I know you mentioned cash flow. Is that really the big one? (laughs) Well, that's a big part of it. Um, Not having a steady income and, and being concerned about where the money is coming from and you know, I think that's that's a part of it. If, if your cash flow is more steady and stable, that certainly lends itself to being able to put money away for retirement. But I think there are some bigger things at stake. Um, business owners and you know, law firm owners, the people I'm working with, they tend to be very ambitious and they're very mm-hmm. growth minded. And so they don't think about saving for retirement because they are putting money into the business, you know, that's their retirement is the business, grow the business, grow the business, grow the business. And so they're investing in themselves. They're investing in their business and that's great. And you need to do that. Um, But there does come a point in time where you need to have kind of a mental shift. And that would be, you know, a shift towards focusing on maximizing profit from your business right? Mm -hmm. You build this cash machine. Okay. So now let's let it do what it was built for. Um, And, you know, a lot of it too is we as business owners love our businesses. It's, it's, you know, usually a personal passion. (laughs) Yes. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. (laughs) Right. Right. It's, it's almost like a hobby. You know, it's what we, we get out of bed excited to focus on building our business. Um, And so that is what we're really focused on and it makes it difficult to to make that shift and and we we tend to neglect taking the opportunity to kind of step back and say to ourselves what is all of this really for Mm -hmm. i'm building this business i have this great thing going but what in my life am i trying to actually accomplish with this what do i want my life to look like and so that's one of the things I challenge my clients to do initially is to kind of, you know, do some goal setting and start really thinking about what they really want. And I know you do this um, in depth with your clients, you know, thinking about what they really want out of life. What are their really deep um, goals and visions and dreams? Uh, so so that's something I think it's we have this passion for our business. And then the other third thing maybe is just being so busy. Um, yes. A lot of business owners and, and a lot of law firm owners are are guilty of this. We spend so much time working in our business mm-hmm. and we have to try to make a shift into being an employee to being a, a, an owner and yes. trying to set up systems so that our businesses will run themselves a little bit more and free up some time for us so that we can actually focus on um, planning and wealth building and and all of those good things. So those would be three things. The cash flow is certainly one. Um, the the personal passion that you have for your business is another one. And then just you know the fact of being so busy and not having the time <laughs> to focus on retirement. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you know many of my clients and yours 
they actually earn too much money mm. to utilize traditional and Roth IRAs. And they usually don't allow you to put enough away to meet your retirement goals, right? So, you know, even if you're able to put something in there, you may not be able to put enough to reach your retirement goals. So let's talk about the options that solo entrepreneurs and small business owners have available to save for retirement. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. You know, and, and we deal with this a lot because the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA, those are usually not available. Mm -hmm. And this is where we, you know, it's a very interesting thing, right? Because um, usually we think that for those who are earning high incomes, they really need to focus on the pre-tax side of things. But you reach a point where you're making so much money that the pre-tax side of things becomes less available to you. And yeah. instead, what's available to you is the Roth. So mm -hmm. while it's not a lot of money to put away, we will do the backdoor Roth IRA. So mm -hmm. we'll make an after-tax contribution to a traditional IRA, convert it over to the Roth IRA. Again, it's not a ton of money. It's only 6,500 for those who are under 50 for 23. Um, but if you and your spouse are both doing that, you know, that's 13 grand a year. That's not a terrible amount of money. You know, right. I mean, that's not a, it's not a so small amount of money and multiply that over 10 to 20 years, right? Right. <laughs> that will certainly <laughs> add up over time. So mm -hmm. uh, that is one we definitely don't want to neglect. But then, you know, we have to think a little bit more strategically. Definitely the 401k becomes the premier place, uh, the premier vehicle for achieving as much tax deferral and um, tax advantages as we can for for a solo uh, business owner or a business owner in general. So yeah. the solo 401k I love because it's so versatile. You can do so much with it. And there's two different limits that people need to be aware of that people don't often think about. You have your employee contribution limit, which for 23 is uh, 22,500. But then there's an overall plan limit. So that employee amount, that 22,500, that's how much you can put in as it, you know, the technical employee side of things as a pre-tax or as a Roth contribution, but then you have an overall plan limit, which is 66,000. So from 22,500 to up to 66, that can be filled in as either a profit sharing contribution from your business, or it could be an after-tax contribution. Your profit sharing contribution, that's pre-tax, but you can also do an after-tax. And if you do the after-tax contribution, one of the amazing things about that is then you can flip that over to a Roth IRA. And uh -huh. oftentimes we call that the mega backdoor Roth IRA. <laughs> because, All right, people's heads yeah. are exploding now. <laughs> yeah, because it's a way that you can really funnel a lot of money into the Roth side of things. Right. But you're going to have to pay the taxes on that and you have to have the cash to be able right. to do that. So Yeah. Yeah, that is that is the thing with that. So a lot of times people who are making high incomes, the um the goal tends to be to, to get as much tax uh, pre-tax and tax deductions as we can. Um, but when those aren't available to us, we definitely want to take advantage of the Roth where we can, because that is going to set us up for later in life to not have to pay as much tax. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I personally have the solo 401k. So mm-hmm. as an employee of my business, I can put in the 225. But let's explain to them how that profit sharing works on top of that. Because I think a lot of people are yeah. confused by that. So if I so, have, let's just say I have a hundred grand in profit in my business mm-hmm. and it's just me working, I'm already putting in my personal 401k contribution and maxing it out. So what happens when we get to the end of the year and we see, yeah, oh, great, we've had this huge amount of profit. I'm the only employee. How does that a uh, uh, profit sharing contribution work? Yeah. So if you already did, you max out the 22.5, that means you have 43,500 left over that you can put in from the business. So the business, hmm. you made your employee contribution, but the business can make a profit sharing contribution on your behalf. Now that has to be pre-tax, okay. but it's, it's deductible to the business, which is great. Okay. Uh, and it's a way. So, I mean, when you're solo, right, you and the business are kind of the same thing, right? So it's kind of weird that way. But basically, you can add an extra 43,500, classify it as a profit sharing contribution. And that's an extra, uh, you know, 40 grand or so of income that you can defer and not have to pay taxes on that year. Um, Alternatively, you could make that as an after tax contribution as I mentioned before, and you would not get the um, tax deduction, but then you could move that over to the Roth side and funnel some money into the Roth. Yeah. So what happens if you actually do have an employee or two? Because if you pay profit sharing to yourself, you have to pay it to everybody, right? Yeah, that's where it gets tricky. And that's why the solo 401k is so versatile because you don't have employees. You don't have to worry about um, IRS rules, um, non-discrimination rules that make you administer the 401k fairly. Now you can classify, uh, employees. So if you have a business and you have employees, you can say, okay, you can, you can classify groups of employees. Like you can have, uh, you know, maybe a sale, the sales staff, the operation staff or, or different things like that. And you can assign profit sharing at your discretion, you know, to certain groups but you do run into some issues like you can't just give yourself all of that money as the owner (laughs) Um, (laughs) wouldn't that be nice right so yes you run into some issues where you have to be careful you know 401ks have to meet certain irs limits to make sure that they're fair excuse me yes you thank you so much for listening to the money is emotional podcast We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So are there other options beyond the solo 401k? There certainly are. Um, You know, one that not a lot of people know about is called a cash balance plan. And the cash balance plan is very interesting because it's basically like a pension. It's a type Hmm. of pension. Okay. (laughs) That's interesting. Do tell. Tell me more. Yeah. So you can set up a pension for yourself. Wait, what a minute. Wait, hold up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. 
a cash balance plan is a type of very simple pension plan. Uh, and basically, it allows you to put away a lot more money, um, over $100,000 a year that you could put into it on a pre-tax basis. Uh, you don't wow. get the Roth, so there's nothing you can do there. The amount that you can put away all has to be calculated based on your age and your income. Um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that go into setting it up. Uh, okay. the The cash balance plan is ideal for people who are making a lot of money, okay. and their income is relatively stable. One of the reasons for that is your cash balance plan contributions have to remain pretty stable year to year. Okay. Um, unlike a 401k, it can't, the amount you put in can't fluctuate in order to meet, you know, all the IRS rules about these types of plans. You have to put in a you know, very similar amount of money each year and you have to maintain that for a, a period of years. So, okay. but one of the really cool things you can pair a cash balance plan with a 401k. Really? So you could have both of these things working together at the same time. And the net effect is you could be putting away a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in pre-tax by utilizing both of these vehicles together. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And this is all totally legit. <laughs> it sure is. Yes. Again, it gets more complicated if you have employees. So- yeah. You know, a pension plan, if you set it up, if you have employees, then you would have to make contributions for them as well. But mm -hmm. the cash balance plan works well in businesses where maybe you have a couple of owners that are older and they're making a lot of money, right? They're um, getting really large paychecks from the company. And then maybe you have some staff, maybe they're younger, maybe they're earning less, because the cash balance plan, the amount of money that you have to give to the participants is a function of age and uh, your in, your salary. Okay. So it's going to favor those in the company that are older and are making more money. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So is that our, our only two options or do we have something else? There are some other options you can pursue. There's the... Uh, there's a non-qualified deferred compensation plan that you could uh, put into place. These are compensation plans that are, as, as the name implies, non-qualified. So they're not IRS qualified plans. They function a little bit differently, but you can set them up for individuals. So companies will use non-qualified compensation plans as kind of like golden handcuffs, right? Uh -huh. If they have a few really highly compensated employees that they really want to maintain, they could set up a non-qualified non deferred comp plan for one person. And they could say, okay, hmm. we're setting up this plan for you. And when you retire, you're going to get X amount of dollars, you know, or something like that. And, and they can be real specific with it. So you could set this up for owners or for, you know, the CEO or, you know, your, your management staff. But there are some tricky things with it. Uh, you have to be careful the way you set it up. You can't have money. One of the biggest things is you can't actually set aside money that is just for this plan. Um, hmm. If you do that, it gets disqualified. So you can't like say, okay, we're setting up this account and this money is earmarked for this uh, deferred comp plan. 
Uh, <laughs> because basically, <laughs> if the company goes under, the comp the deferred comp plan has to be subject to the creditors and everything else. It's not it uh, can't be something that's protected like a four hundred one k is. Mm. So you have to be really careful the way you set it up. Oftentimes, these are funded with life insurance. So you have a life insurance kind of arrangement that um, you can set up, but it has to be subject to creditors' demands. So that's one caveat with that. Okay. So the bottom line is you need a financial planner Yeah, to help you <laughs> with this. <laughs> there are a lot of options, but I will just say this. Oftentimes... We get so hung up on these things and and yeah, setting up these things is great. You know, if you want to really maximize your your tax, your, your tax optimization, your tax minimization, um, these are some different mechanisms you can use to do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, don't neglect just putting money in a non-retirement account. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's not all that bad. Um, let's think about it. In a pre-tax account, right, you get a tax deduction today. But when you go to take money out of that account later in life, you're going to pay income tax on everything you take out. Yep. In a non-retirement account or a brokerage account, you don't get the tax deduction, but the taxes you're paying are your capital gains and dividend tax rates, which might be more favorable than your income rates. True. So I, you know, I while I recommend people utilize these options where they can and set up these retirement plans to maximize their tax benefits. I also encourage people to build up some money for themselves that's not in a retirement plan. Have some of that as well going for you. Well, because then you're able to pull it out without penalties Yeah. whenever you want to. So now, obviously, I always tell people this is over and above your emergency savings because <laughs> we want to keep that in an account where we can access it without penalty or restrictions right when we need it so we don't want it to we don't want to have to sell an investment when it's down because our car broke down right so right. i've had clients in the past when they have first come to me it's like their emergency fund was in crypto and i'm like oh boy oh my <laughs> <laughs> Mm, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I have had business owners and you've touched on this a little bit who have told me that they don't need to invest for retirement because mm. the sale of their business and maybe even potentially the building that their business is in is their retirement. Oh, so yeah. what would you say to these folks? I would say be careful with that um, because businesses are not always as liquid as we would like them to be. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very easy while you think may think your business is great and is extremely valuable. It might be difficult for the market to come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Law firm owners are usually the exact opposite. They don't think their businesses are worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> so they're yeah. a pessimistic bunch. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I think that uh, it's just that law firms traditionally have not been businesses that people thought of as things they could buy and sell. And so right. that's kind of a new world. Now, the other thing you mentioned, property. You know, I have a lot of clients who oftentimes they want to buy their building or they want to buy their office space. And yeah. I caution them to think carefully about that uh, because let's look at the world that we're in right now. 
the world we're in right now is to, you know becoming already has become a much more virtual world uh, yeah. people are working remotely commercial office space is having right now record high vacancies and yeah. you know you might have a, an extremely desirable office location and you might still struggle to find a buyer i know people who are going through this who yeah. have office spaces that are you know class a office space in extremely desirable locations near transportation near everything and i have a client i can think of right now they've got a beautiful office building they've been trying to sell it uh for the past 10 years mm. <laughs> so <Wow>. that's that's <laughs> a very tricky thing now these things obviously can definitely contribute um so i would say you know factor that into your overall financial plan but don't neglect your savings for retirement yeah I would agree with that a hundred percent. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for our self-employed listeners who want to maximize their retirement savings? You know, I think the last piece of advice I would give would be um, really more of an observation. When I work with law firm owners and business owners, they don't think about retirement in the traditional way that people have always thought about retirement. <laughs> I don't know True. if you've come across this, but yeah, it's not like they're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop working at age 65. I'm going to move to Florida and I'm going to golf for the next 30 years. That's <laughs> not really what they picture their retirement. Like they envision themselves continuing to work long-term Right, And so they have kind of a different understanding and a different idea of retirement. It's mm. a little bit more flexible. It's a little bit more nuanced. Um, so I would challenge our listeners today to think, you know, when you, when you look at your retirement accounts and you're like, oh, I should be putting away, you know, X amount of dollars so I can retire one day. Well, you know, that's not very inspiring to me. I don't know about you, but it's not inspiring to a lot of other people. So right. instead of, you know, thinking about your 401k as your retirement account, think about it differently. Think about it as your Malibu beach house account, right? Think about it in terms of the goals that it's going to allow you to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a lot more inspiring and a lot more motivating. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. And um, I talked about that a couple episodes ago about emotionally charging your savings goals and really thinking about what is that money for? What, mm -hmm. you know, it's the point of it isn't just to have it sit in an account, yeah. right? It's like <laughs> saved money, invested money is meant to be spent mm -hmm. at some point and getting excited about what we're going to spend it on makes it a lot easier to get the ball rolling and stay excited about the process of saving and investing. Yes. Yes. I, so many people I have observed are terrified to spend money in retirement. I know it's crazy. And then they end up dying with so much money left over that they never spent because they were so afraid to spend it. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's actually a book out called die with zero <laughs> 
I don't recommend you die with exactly zero, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. the, the point of the book was that, you know, you are saving and investing so that you can enjoy this time and that there is this balance between saving and investing for the future and enjoying the present because, you know, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And if all we do is put our nose to the grindstone and we never enjoy ourselves, then what was it for? Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's a healthy balance of, of thinking about living in the present and planning for the future. You have to do both of those things together. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Darren, thank you so much for being here. You have a wonderful way of demystifying investing retirement and all of that good stuff. So I know I've, I have learned a lot today. I'm sure our listeners have as well. So please tell our audience the best way to connect with you, especially those law firm owners who want to get serious about saving for retirement. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm on all your social media platforms. <laughs> uh, the best way to find me is to go to thelawyermillionaire.com. Real easy. Uh, you go there, you can learn all about me. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or you know other social media sites that you use. And uh, you know, check out the Lawyer Millionaire podcast while you're at it. Yes, it's really good. In fact, yours truly was a guest on there not too long ago. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. Thank you, Darren, for joining Christine in this uh, edition of her podcast. You're right, though. The, the observation about retirement is vastly different for many, many people. And I know I fall in the crowd of, no, I don't think I ever want to truly retire to a golf course somewhere. So... I might Thank you for that. <laughs> you might. <laughs> That's very good. I love to golf. My dad just bought a house uh, down in Florida, and you know he's he's a widower. The house came with two golf memberships. So, guess who spends the most time down in Florida with Dad? Who is? Hmm. Now I wonder who of the country club. Oh well, indeed. Well, I have a friend of mine who retired from his sales job from a, with a large company, and he lives within walking distance of two golf courses in Florida. Nice. He is very, very good at golf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Christine, we, we got the contact information for Darren, but for those listeners who are listening today, uh, how can they get a hold of you if they're interested? Yeah. So the best way is to hop over to my website, which is my name, christinelucan.com. If you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, just click on the coaching tab and please connect with me on social media. So my my primary sites, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn, Instagram, and actually my personal Facebook page. So give me a friend request. I'd love to have you. Oh, excellent. And thank you for those of you listening today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. On behalf of Christine, I'm Bill Tucker sitting in for Eric on this edition. If you've liked the podcast and you want to come back and remember it, do it the easy way. Hit the subscribe button. That way you don't have to think about it. It just gets automatically delivered to you. You're notified and you won't miss another podcast. And if you would, we'd really appreciate it if you would rate this podcast and share it with others. Because by doing that, you help other people find it. Thank you so much for listening today. 
on behalf of Christine and Eric, I encourage you to not wait. Live your best day today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.